Well, good evening and welcome to episode 61 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sochirio. Also joining us tonight is a very special guest, one I'm super excited, uh, made the time to talk with tonight. None other than pro cyclocross racer, professional photographer, videographer, Mr. Alan Krugoff. Alan, hello. hello. Happy, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, what's your nickname, Alan? Ooh, um, the oldest one I have is the Bod. The Bod. Which is funny, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not the Bod. Oh, that's good. Um, Alan the Bod Krukoff. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that goes, that goes back to uh, bike racing around 2001. Well, now that I know that, I know what to scream from the sidelines of the next race I see you at. <laughs> no, no, the the current current cheer is Alan, Alan, Alan. Alan, from Alan, the, Alan. Uh, from the BBC Talking Animals uh, uh, web video where they had a prairie dog that was they put human voices over the animals and the the prairie dog is you know chirping like burp, 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 and they edit in Alan, Alan, Alan <laughs> over and over and over. Something you got to look up if you haven't seen it. It's we fun. definitely will. We'll have to put that uh, link to that YouTube video in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So, so hot chocolate love has never come up yet, huh? Hot chocolate love. Is hot the- chocolate love. Uh, Mister Chocolate or Mister Chocolate Love. Yeah. Was uh, Amanda Nauman came up with this weekend? That's good too. Okay. So it's a new fo- it's a new year, you know, new sponsor. Yeah, and 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 uh, new nickname. Maybe um, maybe once it gets colder, you can switch over to hot chocolate love. I like that. I like that. That's good. Um, we should start melting it down at races ooh. when it's really cold, just serving liquid chocolate. Uh, and mix it in with a little bit of a coffee, too. I think that'd be yep. a pretty uh, tasty treat. Yeah. Um, I'm all over it. So, Alan, you and I met at Trek Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Um, wanted to talk to you. Oh, well, I, I came up to you and I was taking photos of the race and, and I wanted to introduce myself because I knew that along with bike racing, you were also a photographer and a filmmaker and something that I thought was pretty cool because I myself am those same things, but not at those levels um, in a little different order. But yeah. I really thought it was awesome that you were able to do both of those things. Um, so anyway, <laughs> we, we became talking and you're a super nice guy, very approachable. And well, I've been able to shoot some photos for you the last two races we've been together, which has been awesome. Yeah, um, they're excellent photos. Good. I'm glad to hear that. That means a lot coming from you. Um, <laughs> so I guess, for, I mean, obviously, I know who you are because I first heard of you in at 2014 U.S. Nats in Boulder. Um, Dave Toll said, "Alan Krugoff is riding out of his skin." Um, and that always stuck with my stuck with me. That was my first uh, CX Nats, my first year doing cross. So that left a big impression on me. Um, oh, nice! But but for for the people who don't have not are not lucky enough to know Alan Krugoff, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So um, yeah, my name is Alan Krugoff, as you've learned. Um, the bod. But uh, I live in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, I've been. Started racing in 98, and I've been racing um, pro cyclocross for, for, I think, six, about six years. I got to do the math on it, but, um, and I've, I've kind of always been the guy juggling a job with racing, trying to race at the front of the pro race for cyclocross. So that's kind of defined me um, over the years, and 
um, I got my start with Raleigh Clement and, uh, that was, that actually all came about from a race they held in Utah at, um, they used to do a dealer camp event there, which was kind of a, their own spinoff of, uh, inner bike. And it was whoever won that race, won a pro contract wow. to, um, so I, I packed up my Subaru and drove out to Utah and, uh, got there, did the race. And I actually, I didn't win it. I was second to Jonathan page mm. and page in, um, I, I've learned to like page at the time. I hated the guy, but, <laughs> um, but he like took, he took the better part of, I want to say two or three hours to mull over the option to, to have this unpaid contract with the pro team, you know, which, you know, he was a guy who had, it was basically supporting a new family racing cyclocross. So it was it was funny at the time for some people to be like, why is he even considering yeah. this option? Um, but they, you know, he was like, yeah, it's not going to work out. So, um, so I got the job, uh, the unpaid internship, you would call it, um, and did two years with Raleigh Clement, and then um, uh, Meredith Miller and I started up the Nusa Yogurt Pro Team. Mm-hmm. We did that for two years, then a year with uh, Boulder Cycle Sport, a year on my own with specialized and then now we are uh chocolate specialized for this year that's kind of been my pro um pro routine so far so with um with rally clement was that uh was it an unpaid internship for both years or did they take you on under contract on the second year Un- unpaid for two years wow but but you have a thing where you're going to we were probably doing that was usgp era yeah um so there was really good prize money and we were going to, I want to say nine travel trips in a season, maybe, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything was, everything's covered. So if you're making 600 bucks in prize money per weekend, you know, you're 600 times nine um, yeah. and you have no expenses. So yeah. um, it actually worked out pretty well and keep some equipment. Um, so yeah, that was unpaid. Um, and then uh, the Noosa years were, those were good years um, for income. Uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm running off on a tangent here, so keep me in check. Well, well now, that, <laughs> the, the Noosa team, was that a team that, that you were, I, I know that you and Meredith Miller started that, was that, were you essentially your own director sportif? I mean, or did you put the team together yourself and get the funding and all of that? Or was were there other people involved and it was just your idea? Yeah, so um, in brief, Meredith and I both, she was formerly on the Cal Giant specialized team and that was um, more or less folding or just not happening again. Mm-hmm. And Raleigh Clement said, hey, we're, we're not gonna have a spot for you. You and you and Jamie Driscoll are more or less like similar athletes and we're going to keep Jamie. Um, and no, no hard feelings there. It totally makes sense. If we're both, you know, fighting for like fourth to fifth spot in the races, what you don't need two guys doing that. Um, so Meredith and I were on a bus to, from Boulder, there's a bus you can take to go mountain bike in the mountains. And, um, we're both on the same bus. We're like, Hey, what are you, uh, it just kind of came up. We're like, what are you guys what are you doing for cross next year? And she's like, I'm kind of still figuring that out. So we were both on the same page and we're like, let's, um, let's team up and pitch a two person program. Um, 
So her and I pitched and ran and did everything for that team. I kind of was the business end of things. I did the, you know, QuickBooks and contracts. Uh, and Meredith has a lot, had a lot more years in the sport than I did. So she had a lot of industry contacts. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of how we shared responsibilities. You know, I, I did the, I paid the mechanics and, um, we bought a sprinter van, the whole, the whole nine yards. So it was a great, great experience. Um, and a, a ton of work, but, uh, it, uh, it went really well. How many, I mean, this, how many nooses do you think you ate? Oh man. So actually at the time or still, um, I have a mild lactose intolerance. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, the yogurt is great, but it would be it like, really you know, one, one a week tops for me. <laughs> um, totally different story with Chocolove. Okay. Um, that's good to hear. Yeah. That is prior to them signing on. We, Catherine, my wife and I have two to three bars open at any given time in a, uh, airtight Tupperware. Uh, so now we just have a better supply. Now, yeah, now, you, now you have a Yeti cooler full of chocolate. Ex exactly. <laughs> we have, uh, some boxes in the basement of, uh, backstock just in case. I definitely remember the Nusa team. I mean, it was, like I said, that was sort of my first year, uh, following cyclocross and it was during the era of J POWs, um, behind the barriers TV. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was a pretty cool time where teams like yours could get a lot of that media exposure through that. And I mean, that's kind of how you get to know riders. And, and so that was pretty right. awesome. And I, mm -hmm. I, I ate Noosa before, but when you came out, that team came out, I was like, yeah, all in on Noosa. And right. uh, so <laughs> I, I, th I, I think it, I think it was a good, uh, good partnership for them yeah and didn't didn't meredith miller have a big result at was it cross vegas, cross vegas. that she won yeah uh, when she was racing yeah, for our, NUSA? Mm -hmm. our yeah. season our season opener first race yeah. with noosa meredith knocked it out of the park and won and i think i was second american behind yeah. powers and then yeah. we we actually met her briefly we didn't spend a lot of time together but she came down to saint francisville louisiana to race the rouge roubaix in 2015 the now defunct oh, yeah. rouge roubaix um yeah which is uh, yeah, they they've just decided to completely, what well, to shelve that indefinitely due to some uh, bizarre uh, local parish ordinance that has been created, which is very anti-cyclist. So, uh, huh. that's a, that's a rabbit hole we probably don't want to go down yeah. right now. But yeah. big big political struggle that's uh, left the Got race in, in flux right now. But yeah, she huh. was she was here for that, and she was super cool. She actually brought some some uh, some other women from Boulder that came out, and they. Mm -hmm. uh, Swept, swept the podium. Yeah. Nice. I, I remember that. That was, uh, that's like pre, um, heyday of gravel racing. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So you, you did new stuff for two years and, and you know, mm -hmm. this year you're, you're essentially, I mean, are you running your own program still? Yep. Which I hundred percent, uh, hundred percent Allen. <laughs> I mean, so talk about that. I mean, a, yeah, I imagine that's pretty difficult to do, um, but it's something you went out and did, and, and you've got the sponsors together. I mean, I mean, I just, I guess, maybe talk us through the process of, of, of creating this new team with Chocolate Love and how sure. that came about, and and what like a race weekend looks like for you. Sure. So, I think in a in a bigger picture concept, we so we had Nusa for two years, and then Nusa, um, the yogurt company, was bought out by a venture capital group. So then. Mm. 
for the third year, instead of getting the marketing person and the owner to say, yeah, this is a good idea, we had to convince a boardroom of people to, to write a six-figure check for a cycling team. Yeah. And they were like, what, we are used to billboards and TV ads. Um, and so I don't blame them at all for you know, wanting to justify their spend to their now shareholders. Um, right. So then uh, moving forward, we've, you know, we're in a post USGP era for a while now. Um, we don't have the huge, and I, this is one of your questions you sent over um, earlier for me to look at, which I've been traveling and I haven't, in a good way, I haven't sat down and thought out through these things ahead of time. Um, but uh, we, we're seeing smaller and smaller teams. Um, you know, Cannondale is the, the big heavy hitter um, team setup you see show up to every race. They have the huge trailer and tent operation. Um, and it's, uh, part of that is, a big part of that is the, um, we don't have a consolidated national calendar that is easy to follow. We need, um, there's no longer a simple storyline right, for yeah. fans to follow. You know, like USGP was, I'm pretty sure four races, four race weekends. Um, and it was easy to be like, okay, person X did that last time. Are they going to be able to do it again? Who's the challenger? How, what are the standings? Um, instead what I've, and I, I don't want to get into too much of a wormhole here, but, um, the, the issue is I think we've been a victim of our own success in cyclocross where the, the pond has expanded so fast that the fish haven't been able to keep up. So now it yeah. feels, and what I mean by that is any given weekend, there's basically two UCI races going on right. um, concurrently. And this was, it scaled down a little bit this year, but last year you could, you could go to the not big show and get a good point haul. Yeah. Um, so it diluted the field at the big races and it made it feel like no one's there. Right. Um, and it also made it harder to keep track of like, do you guys remember like Colt McElwain back in the day, the yeah. who's number one yeah, show? Yeah. yeah, that was great. Um, that was great. That was like, you know, like, okay, who's racing where and what? And like, where do people stack up in between the big USGP races that happen once a month, basically? Um, so yeah, where that all ties back into is the scaling down of programs um, and a lot of people doing the, you know, um, privateer route. Uh, yeah. And including myself. So, well, I mean, to, to, that, to that point, Alan, it's, it's interesting because it's more disparate, the kind of the, the U.S. scene. I mean, how many races were there this weekend overall? UCI cross races? Didn't one of you guys say yeah, something we had, like nine altogether, including Europe and everything? But oh, yeah, well, there was, there was, there was uh, I think, eight on eight. Sunday mm -hmm. UCI races. But the, and the, but the thing is, you have at one end of the spectrum, the U.S. now has two World Cups, and yet it doesn't have you know, like Europe has Brico Cross and Super Prestige and, you know, there's all these other kind of ongoing storylines, but it it feels, I don't know, it, you don't, it doesn't seem to have that kind of continuity here, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's interesting. I think that the two World Cups is kind of providing that storyline that in, 
it's but it's on a it's on a much bigger like infrastructure and i wonder i know they're gonna <clears throat> expand the world cups maybe next year and like if if they brought more over to the states if that's even something that's it's gonna happen like would that somewhat replace the usgp style like you know nationwide series mm-hmm. i don't know just i uh, what what i've thought is that we need to do a better job of re- rewarding the promoters who are putting up the prize money to hold a c1 event yeah okay. um it, yeah so what's the it, difference between like a so c you say c1 sure what's the difference so, between c1 and c2 yeah you know? basically there's i need to uh, don't quote well i'm being quoted because i'm live on the <laughs> podcast but um tape delay there's i want to say there's two to three times the prize money okay. and points available at a c1 versus a c2 which is a category one uci event versus a category two uci event and the points go 10 deep at a c2 and they go 15 deep at a c1 okay and so if a promoter wants to put on a c1 they have to come up with all sorts of additional cash to for the payouts for the riders and i don't think that we give them more for doing that than for putting on a C2. I think if you're gonna put a C1 weekend on, you should have a monopoly on that weekend in the US. Right, yeah. okay, that makes I, sense. And I think that would that would say, okay, you're gonna, by doing that, you're gonna ensure everybody who's in the top 15 serious racers in the country is gonna show up. Instead of this past weekend, we had a C1 all the way out in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Maryland, and then we had a C2 weekend in sacramento and for me it's super easy and cheap to get to sacramento versus flying out to baltimore so i went to sacramento and you saw it was myself cody kaiser lance um i'm basing his last name right now anthony clark and uh anthony clark and uh troy wells were the were the main people out there um but it was kind of like the West Coast group was out there, and then the Midwest and East was in Baltimore. Right. Well, Alan, uh, let me ask you this because you, you you bring up that point, and it, it sort of sure. harkens back to 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 something that you know people bring up as one of just the sort of baked in problems with being in a country the size of the United States, which is mm-hmm. the travel. Uh, are, are you saying that as a from a racer's perspective, even being out sort of closer to the West Coast? Um, that if there were a C1 race on the East Coast and, 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 and there was no other C2 race for you to go to, uh, that, that you would travel across the country to go to the C1 race? And, and, and that if you set things up the way you're describing, where you gave a monopoly to the weekend for the C1 race promoters, that racers like you from the other side of the country would, would travel to that race? Do you think that that would be the case? Oh, 100%. There's, there's, I know racers who will specifically skip, will go to the non UCI, not they'll go to the non C1 event on the same weekend with the intention of grabbing points. Right. Um, and I mean, that's not far off from my agenda going out to Sacramento, but it also happens to be cheaper and easier to deal with because it's a dry race and we're running out of a minivan. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, we can, we'll dive into more of that yeah. in a minute. But <laughs> mm. um, yeah, for sure. If you had a C1 and, you, and it was 
the only thing happening that weekend, you, you would get the whole, the whole crew would show up for sure. You know, I looked up, there's, there's about eight C1s in the States, uh, this year. So it's almost like, uh, I don't think so. No, no, I can count them. There's, well, you have the two world cups. Um, you've got, uh, this past one, which was, uh, charm city was, uh, KC or KMC. Mm -hmm. Is that a C1? So you've got uh, two no, there. It was a, it was a C2. Okay, so C2. So there hasn't been other... Was there a C1 before Charm City? No. Was Rochester? Ro I don't think Rochester. I don't think Go Cross was... Well, I, I think... I don't know if Rochester was or not. I think it was a C2. But say, even say that was a C1. So you got one there. Charm City. That's another one. You've got Cincinnati coming up in the end of October. That's a third. And then the next one you have is Ruts and Guts, which is the 8th of December. That's four total. Oh, seven. Sorry. Rochester was one. Reno. I okay. forgot what Reno cross. Oh, yeah. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, and the, and the yeah, race that I was at, that Jingle juggling cross. a job thing. Jingle. So, th so there's, there was, there's seven. Anyway. Are you counting? You're counting the World Cups, though. No, no, no. No. Rochester, Reno, Jingle, uh -huh. Charm, Cincinnati. So, NBS. Jingle, Jingle has a C1 and a World Cup. Yep, Jingle had a C1 on Sunday. Mm. Well, oh, so the huh. tre the Trek race was a C2. Yeah, correct. Trek Trek Cup. Trek Cup was a C2 on Friday, and the World Cup on Sunday. And then Jingle had the C2 Friday night, World Cup Saturday, and then a C1 Sunday. Gotcha. Which was a C1 that, you know not a lot of people right. showed up and sort of all the mid-level i not say it not, not mid-level but like second tier like uh euro guys you know like dieter schwick i think right. is the guy he didn't win so he won on friday but guys i hadn't quite heard about until nathnea won the sunday c1 because everybody was like done they had done two races and they were out but For sure. i feel like we digressed there a little bit hmm. um so i guess you you were sort of talking about being uh you know, running your own show and, and, and picking the races you need to go to, um, right. and, and what it takes to pull it off. I mean, you, you mentioned that, uh, you, well, one of the reasons you picked Sacramento this last weekend was because you're working on the minivan. Uh, I mean, right. tell us a little bit more about that setup and what, what you have to do for the race weekend. I mean, cause you're, cause you are working full time on Monday, Friday, and then you're getting set up for the weekends to go to a race. Right. So, um, the whole so, the whole um, privateer thing comes down to uh, Chocolove. I've I've actually pitched to Chocolove three years in a row, um, and finally one of my messages got through, resonated with the wife of the owner, um, and that's how some of this stuff works. It's like finding the right person yeah. in the right place, um, and I've pitched. What did you to, what did you what did you, what'd you say? Do you think that that made it? I said, through. please, for the love of God, <laughs> save cyclocross. No, um, they, uh, I didn't say anything too specific, but I, um, I have a story of Chocolove. When I was in college, my roommate worked the, uh, the assembly line for oh. Chocolove, which is, you know, a mile across town. And they, um, his, one of his roles was to pull all the cracked bars off the production line. So to make sure nobody opened up a bar that was cracked. And um, 
all those cracked bars ended up in a big yard waste bag that he would then bring home to our <laughs> college house, which had five guys sharing one house. And it would live in the bottom shelf of our fridge. And so it was, you know, you go out for a late night, you come back, maybe you had a couple drinks, and you have this bag full of dark chocolate um, in the fridge, which was incredible. So my, uh, I don't want to call it an addiction because I choose to eat it. Um, <laughs> But that started in uh, that started in college. So, and I've been eating chocolate ever since. So I said, you know, hey, I think you guys would be a great fit to work with me. And um, I truly love your what you guys make. Your chocolate's incredible. I eat it all the time. Um, you were like ten percent chocolate love at that point in time, probably. <laughs> exactly. Like I could have. I could have been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they were like you know, we really like your, your personality, what you, your friendliness and, um, we're on board with that. And, uh, we were on board. So, um, so then they say, okay, we're going to do X amount of dollars and you, and I say, this is what I'm going to do in return. And so it's, you know, I hire, um, Zach Edwards. He's a longtime friend of mine and he owns a service only shop in, north of town called boulder gruppetto uh and he's my mechanic and i i pay him to, on salary for the season and he comes with me to all the races i fly him out um and we have to look at or i have to look at the whole calendar and say okay where am i going to get results what's worth going to what's too expensive to get to mm -hmm. what's what's going to be a ton of work for us yeah um you know we looked at i looked at the season and it was i said okay reno will be good then um, I uh, was in touch with USA Cycling about the World Cups, and they, they said, hey, are you planning to petition before the deadline? You, so the way you get into a World Cup is they take 16 men, 16 women. And in the past, it's been purely based on your UCI rank. They just take the top 16. If anybody in that top 16 doesn't want to go, um, the next person on the list gets in. Um, that's for this World year, Cups that are in your home country, right? Correct. And that's a special exemption for the U.S. because they're trying to get more World Cups uh, going on. Okay. Where they allow us a double allotment. Normally, it's only eight riders. Oh, okay. But with the race being all the way in the U.S., if we only have eight Americans in it, then the field's going to be pretty small because only right. the top Europeans are coming over or yeah. the people who can afford it. Um, versus, or the ones that choose to, like, you know. 100%. Yeah. Um, this year they said, Hey, are you planning a petition? We, I think, you know, we'd have a spot for you at Wisconsin if you're planning to petition. And so I said, a buddy of mine moved from Boulder to Wisconsin. And I was like, you know, I should, I should do that. Cause I can stay with him, save us a bunch of money. Um, and it'd be nice to catch up with him. And then, uh, and it's, his name's Logan Gary he works for Trek now, actually. Um, cool. and, but then I, I looked at the calendar. I was like, okay, I'm going to do Reno on Wednesday. Then I'm going to do Trek on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not going to go to Iowa intentionally because it's the next weekend. And then I do Sacramento the following weekend, then Boulder, weekend off, then Cincinnati. So if I did, if I did Iowa, it would have been one, two, three, four, five, five sequential back-to-back um, -back race weekends. Um, yeah. So a lot of people were like, why didn't you, did you not get selected for Iowa or why aren't you going? Um, 
And for me, I'm 34 now, and it doesn't sound old, but in race age, it's older. I need, I need a little more rest between things. I, um, the travel catches up to me, and it's not like I come home and you know, the next day is just like, oh, I pedal up to the coffee shop and Instagram with my buddies. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, get home, unpack all the stuff, and then sit down and start editing video that I shot the previous week or who knows what. Um, so I intentionally put in that break in <laughs> Iowa. That's why I didn't go down there. Yeah, because I assume you, you, you wouldn't stay in the area. I mean, Bodie, for instance, was in both uh, Wisconsin and Iowa. He obviously, you know, took the took that whole week in between and hung out and rode bikes he didn't drive back to new orleans but i'm guessing if you were going to race you'd be racing in wisconsin driving back to colorado working for the week and then drive turning around driving right back to iowa to go race again yeah and it for for better or worse it's uh i do well enough with my photo video work that it makes sense to fly in and out of these places Mm because it's it's a long haul to go to wisconsin is I think it's 14 hours. Yeah. I want to say from where I'm at. So, um, and then you need, you need to be there early enough to shake the drive out the next day. And then you need like another day. Yeah. Um, no, flying seems uh, much easier. Yeah. And, uh, we've got a good system now. We fly, uh, Zach and I fly with a double Pika case, which is a soft shell, um, double bike bag that, they don't even list on their website anymore, but if you email them, I think they'll still make it. Um, but we can fit two cross bikes and three sets of wheels in it. Uh, we travel with that, and that's all under 75 pounds total. And nice. then um, he brings his, we have a feedback sprint stand in his mm-hmm. bag, a feedback Omnium trainer that I can fit in my roller checked bag, um, along with all my race clothes. And then I bring a roller carry on with just my race day stuff in case nothing shows up and then I can borrow a bike and still get to the start line. Um, so this sounds very similar to the, uh, Telenet Fidea setup, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. <laughs> or the, <clears throat> or Sonic Khan's hundred percent trailer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's the other thing. I mean, like you're saying 14 hour drives and, or having to fly to races and then, you compare it to, you know, I mean, almost not saying like any day, but there's even mid midweek races going on in Belgium and Holland and everything's within about two hours, you know, within two hours of each other. You can drive yeah. across Belgium in, you know, in a, in a morning. It's, um, it's true. Whereas, yep. you, you know, you, you're dealing with much greater scale in the U.S. and less events. Yeah. And um, I think I think one thing that'd be healthy for cyclocross in the u.s is to you know take some use some takeaways from european cross but Mm -hmm. also embrace what cross is in the u.s right yeah um i think we a lot of people run into the um the trap of comparing it and it's it'll never be the same or similar um just based on cycling in europe in general is fully respected everywhere you know, yeah. there's a lot of places in the U.S. you'll go and they'll, you know, they're like, get the hell off the road. You know, what the heck are you doing in that tight clothing? We know um, all about that. Uh, exactly. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I'm preaching to the choir there. But, um, yeah, the distance and the other big thing is that we are, cyclocross is a participant-based sport here totally. versus a spectator-based sport. In right. 
I think that's um, always going to be the, the the big difference and and the way that like think where things diverge and 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 how how promoters and riders need to think about bringing in and money is like you there's never going to be gate charge really i mean i don't i i don't i thought maybe they were going to charge at jingle cross where the um i think on their website they said they were going to charge to get in i felt like they used to but i didn't i mean I, we didn't pay although i was luckily enough to get on get a media pass but i don't know if that exempted me also my girlfriend raced so maybe we didn't have to pay but anyway yeah it was a nominal fee. It wasn't like there was, you know, the riders could take a share of that and, uh, and use anything with it. So yeah, that's how I think, I think that's, uh, yeah, they're, they're sort of, they are different and, and we can take things from Eurocross. And one of the things that I noticed about Jingle Cross was that that course, it was really hard to not call it very European because it was super hard. And I think that you can, it's a good example of like, that was like a really good world cup course. And I think that they, they really did it well where they had the amateur courses set up and they threw in a few, like, you know, few sections that were just for the pro only. And I thought they, they balanced that fairly well, right? Because in Europe, the amateurs yeah. don't race on the pro courses. And so you can build an extremely tough course. And in the States, yep. the amateurs race on the same course. You kind of have to make it easier. But they did a good job of juggling that. And I thought that was a really good way to kind yeah, of meld the two. That is... That that course and Devu Park in Cincinnati are the what I think the two best courses in the country. Mm. Um, the yeah we have a we have a thing where you know pro riders want to see challenging technical um, I don't want to say dangerous but exciting courses to ride and race on. Um, but you also need most promoters need to set up one course for everybody from a 14 year old or even younger or a 55 year old female rider who maybe is just getting started. Um, they need everybody to run on the same course. So it's a, it's a major challenge. Well, but, uh, uh, go ahead, sir. Well, no, I was going to say you, you had, you know, we were talking about the difference between European racing and, and, and racing in the States. Uh, we know that you've been over to Europe at least twice in the uh, as a part mm -hmm. of the Team USA for the 2014 and 2016 World Championships. Is that right? Yep. Um, That's those are the ones. Right. Do you do you have other experience racing in Europe, or or is that it? And tell us tell us what that was like. Sure. Um, so my first first time over there was actually I did a road season in the summer. Um, over in Belgium and that was with uh, Cycling Center. I, it's changed names over a few times but it was basically a to cut to the chase it was like a pay-to-play place where like a dorm where they would take you to races and um, and they had a big they had a full program where you could go you know do a training camp in Albuquerque and then do a full season over there and I was I was trying to become a pro road cyclist um, and they uh, uh, Andy Pruitt's a good friend of mine and he, his stepson Scott Tietzel is my oldest friend um, and Scott had been going over there year after year and Andy was like hey you should, would you be able to go over there if they had room? So it was a very last minute thing like um, they were like yeah we've got one bed open if you want to come over and just pay you know, be there for like two months or three months um, 
So I went over on a whim and raced and got my butt kicked all summer. <laughs> uh, You're racing the Kermess races and things like that? We did, we did Kermesses and we did UCI stage races too. Oh, wow. Um, cool. And, the, and just, it was an incredible experience, incredibly humbling. Um, and I came back, I want to say 50% faster and tougher. Uh, and, you know, everybody... You know, everybody's like, oh, the racing over there is so much faster. It, re- it really is. And it, the other thing was, I was, I've, it's taken me a long time to figure out what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. And I spent a lot of time racing what I'm bad at. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Belgium, flat, hard, guttered out, windy. I'm like 142 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we'd have these times where I'm just like, I felt like I was out of the saddle sprinting to hold the wheel and I'd look around and I'd see guys like attacking off the front. And I'm just thinking, I'd, I don't even know how that's humanly possible right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then one of your comments, you mentioned the uh, team Rio Grande, which was my road years, uh, where we traveled around the country in a 10 passenger van. Um, and we went to all these stage races with tons and tons of climbing and I'm a terrible climber. Um, Oh, man. Year after year, we'd go to the tour of the Gila. We'd do Cascade. We'd do Mount Hood. Um, I just get my butt kicked year after year, and then uh, stumbled on cyclocross right when I thought I was. I was like, I'm going to stop road racing and just focus on photography. Um, and I just had a knockout season of cross, and then all of a sudden, cross was going really well, and photography is going really well. So now I just fill up my plate with as much to do as possible. It seems like. Yeah, well, we're all much better at cyclocross than we are at road racing, too, Alan. So we, we get yeah. we get we get you there, man. I yeah, I don't know, guys. and it's more fun. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was a Cat Three Crit Champion, twenty sixteen. Hey, you got to hang on to every victory. <laughs> don't celebrate that. I was I was only the Cat Four Five uh, cyclocross champion, so I have never won a medal hey. in cross. Well, and fun fact: I have never won a UCI race, ever. You still you, trying. You've come close. Um, I know. This weekend again. This weekend, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, let's let's get into that. That's a perfect segue. We love. Good Thank segues. you. You like that? Um, so yeah, you raced this last weekend, and the West, the, it's the West Sacramento. Grand yeah, the, Prix. the acronym is tough. It's the Kaiser W S C X G P West Sacramento Cyclocross Grand Prix. Yeah, it is. I went there last year. I was also second and third last year, and I was once again second and third this year. Um, and uh, it is just a—it's a great course. It's a hard course. It's um, it's on a it's on a levee by the river. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we're familiar with it, those here. Yeah, I was going to say that's right up uh, <laughs> New Orleans uh, department. And so, the race promoter has a lot of these sections where, instead of carrying your momentum, there's these there's these uphill cutbacks turns like a, you know, 180 left turn that goes up the hill. And so you lose all your momentum and then you sprint back up and then you got another uphill cutback. Um, so you, it, it is fun. I'm making it sound like it's terrible, but it's also on Saturday. Um, I set my best, my highest 20 minute and my highest 60 minute heart rate average ever. Wow. At least, at least what I have in training peaks. For the last yeah. however many years, um, but they were really high uh, heart rate, so I was happy to see that. I know the ticker's working well. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, day so, one, you looks like you, I mean I I followed along the Twitter feed. That's that's all they had. Yeah. So what I got is it was you and Clark, Anthony Clark, off the front. Is that you guys kind of had a yeah. battle all day? We had you know that group of five I mentioned earlier: me, Anthony Clark, Cody Kaiser, Lance Haydet, and Troy Wells. Kind of um, we broke apart from the main field probably in the first half lap and it's um i mean actually all those guys are riding really strong for if you look at world cup finishes um cody was way up there lance was up there um anthony's riding really well yeah and uh so we were wait we Alan, were you know what do you know why he's riding really well so and and because <laughs> I, I gave him chips hey yeah you gave me some chips those were they were like dill God, oh that's right you, that's right you got the dill you got the cajun dill mm. cage cajun dill and i God. um and so dill was a... only good for second place because i think he got <laughs> the craw taters <laughs> i'm sorry alan yeah, the, vo- okay. the voodoo is the best yeah the world yeah. champs and these the are what are the chip branded zaps right zaps yeah yeah so that was cool those were delicious um but yeah we had this group of five that kind of split off really early and and it was very road racy for a little while and then the there's so many um, near zero mile an hour corners throughout that course that it was, you know, that you know the accordion effect when mm-hmm. you're on the yep. back of a group. Um, so everybody's trying to make their way to the front, kind of rotating through, but also a gnarly wind moving across the course. So you're kind of like, do I sit at the back, save energy in the wind, and then have to sprint out every single corner, or do I go to the front, sit in the wind, ride more smoothly? That was the that was kind of the debate. And then um, I, about halfway through, I put in a pretty good dig for a lap and we um, lost Troy. And then Anthony kind of followed through and we dropped Lance, I believe. His back was um, giving him trouble. And then uh, it, was a, it was a bumpy course too. A lot of like really rough, uh, it was kind of like this, right by the river you have really hard dirt that when the race goes through it, it breaks it down and eventually turns into sand. So it's like a mixture of sand and rock hard dirt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you get these sections where you're just slamming through stuff. But uh, yeah, long story short, eventually Anthony and I broke away, the two of us, um, and he was just just pushing, pushing, pushing. um, And he has a lot more of a he's like a wild man out there he just you know like seems like a wild man pretty much everywhere yeah and it but you know he's kind of like all over the place riding his bike and then um he he's super fit um but he doesn't bring a lot of speed through the corner with him so what he'll do is he'll come through a corner slower but then he'll do this just you know really hard 510 pedal stroke out of the corner um so if you're behind him and you're like, okay, I'm in the draft, but at the same time, I'm working really hard out of every corner to match his accelerations. Mm-hmm. That's where... Because he's slowing you down too. Exactly. Then, okay. So I was behind him. I, just, I was on his wheel um, for probably two laps where he was really getting after it. And then, you know, he was like, hey man, come around. And I was like, dude, you're, I, I'm, I'm just trying to hang on here. Um, and so then he just punted it at one point and drop me i don't remember where but it was like one to go and um he finished with a gap to me and i finished with the everybody was broken apart on day yeah. one um 
and that's kind of like, I mean, he's on the Squid Squad, and that's their, I would have, is that their kind of practice area? I mean, I know he's not uh, from there, but he rides with them there quite a yeah, lot, right? Yeah, that's, their, I wouldn't say it's their practice area, because it's only open for that that race but it's it's definitely their their hood yeah it's their hometown it, it, it's um, it's it's like tunard's winning at trek right it's like mm-hmm. hometown race for the sponsor. yeah they got the they got He's, the squid um you know like scooby-doo has the mystery van mystery yeah. van yeah they have a squid bikes version of that basically exact van that's spray painted all down the side and that's right in the right next to the pits right down there on the the main area of the course so they're they're very much involved emily kachorik and her husband pete um do a ton of work to make that race happen um they're heavily involved like pete is so emily's husband is a psychiatrist um and i don't know if he works for kaiser but basically Uh, kaiser permanente mm. came in and was the title sponsor for the race this year that's that's a big name sponsor right there yeah that's great yeah yeah you know it's um uh yeah it is and, I take um, some of that Kaiser money. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Kaiser uh, insured person. It, it also happens to be the cheapest option. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's a cool it's a cool community out there. Um, so it's cool to be there to race. And uh, how about day two? Um, day two, Cody Kaiser was kind of the story of day two. He, um, him, and he was he lives like a half hour away and Troy Wells was staying with him for the weekend. And after the race, I found out that they had talked about how they needed to just push it from the start solid fast until the, the group behind them split up. And then it was only two or three people. Um, so I, for the, the whole thing shook out in the first lap halfway through, there's a sand section. I was fifth, Anthony was fourth and the, Cody, Lance, and Troy were one, two, three. Um, and Anthony kind of stuffed it in the sand. I had to go around him on a slow line, started a 20 meter gap, and then to the front three. And then literally the rest of the day, it, from three minutes into the race, the rest of the day was, I was by myself. Oof. Anthony's back, he dropped his chain. So he, had a, he was back in like eighth or something and the three of them off the front and it was just pack what i call pack manning around the course where it's like i'm not gaining on them they're not gaining on me and we're just going as hard as we can for 56 minutes um and it was brutally windy too so you get no shelter out there right yeah super windy um i think they said it was gusting 45 at the airport and sustained at like 30 something like that um you know all the tents were taken down and they were just taking course tape off in some spots so it didn't blow into the course uh but um i just kept hanging in and uh eventually lance started to fall off the group and uh amanda nauman was out there um and i've known her for a long time and um she was like come on keep going lance is fading you can catch him and um so i like re-engaged mentally after just trying to gut it out for an hour and um I caught him in the last third of the last lap um, and just intentionally like blew his doors off on a straightaway. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you pass somebody without much authority late in the race and they're, you don't know what they have left. They might think, Oh, like, Hey, maybe I can jump on, maybe I can sit on and then sprint around them at the end. So that was where I was like, I just got to 
come by them with no no question. Um, yeah, you got to shut that down. You got you got to make them think. Yeah, and no I no chance at all. You know, I'd been racing by myself literally the entire day. So I was like, finally, I got another guy I can put a pass on or something. So, <laughs> well, well, we have that's something that you and I definitely have in common there with that because I race by myself uh, pretty much all the time, although not near the front. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that at least it's a race. It's better than road racing, where you, <laughs> you know, if you're out the back, you might as well just turn around and go to the car and go home. Yeah, very true. Um, so yeah, that was the West Coast weekend. Um, you know, it was dry, warm, windy, totally different than the charm city weekend and getting back to that privateer thing uh for so zach and i when we we fly out we rent a minivan and it's you know we joke around that it's our van life um (laughs) and uh it 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 works out really great but if you know if we show up to a race and it's like pissing rain and like 40 degrees it is it's tough conditions to to operate in compared to you know, back in the day when Meredith and I had the Noosa program, we had a, you know, we had a 2006 Dodge Sprinter. We had one mechanic full time, and then we'd fly in another mechanic. We'd have a 10 by 20 tent, sidewalls, heaters, the full nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a different era where it's hard to. Um, thankfully, Cannondale's still making it happen. Donnelly's still doing it. Um, but to and, and Donnelly came out of the Rally Clement uh, cur- team. Is yeah, that, is that what happened? Exactly. Yeah. So, the Rally Clement team was Rally was cash. Clement was um, more or less sweat equity, basically, of um, Don Kellogg, who owns who owns Clement Tires, which is now Donnelly. Yeah. Um, and he ran the whole team. He was the manager, and you know, obviously, tire sponsor. Um, and also put in a bunch of his own money to make it to make it go. Um, and then the uh, long something with uh, Pirelli owns the trademark on Clement. Right. And I don't remember the details, so I don't want to uh, say anything out of place. But um, there was something about the 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 trademark, and so Don Kellogg said, "I'm just going to make I'm going to change the name over to Donnelly." which comes from his name. Um, so now that's Donnelly. They have their program, which is Lance Hayda and um, Laurel Rathburn. Um, so, I mean, even their team has gotten smaller. I mean, sort of, like you said. Exactly. Like, like it's yeah. really, Cannondale is the only sort of the big one left that I can think about. Um, well, yeah. Personally, Kona, pers- Kona's, pers- Kona's growing a little bit. They're, they're definitely, I almost want to say they're the strongest, strong, arguably the strongest team right now um, yeah carrie carrie's doing good uh and rebecca got on the podium this weekend so yeah. her form's starting to hit yeah i personally you know, think that uh Chocolove is missing a huge opportunity to step up and buy you guys a uh a, a van to tour <laughs> around in which which would of course be called the Chocolove bus oh yeah <laughs> Well, the, so, the running joke now is everybody's like, hey, Alan, where's the chocolate? And I'm like, it's back in the van. Come back to my van where the chocolate is. Yeah. And, uh, We're giving out candy in the van? It, lit, I am literally giving away candy out of a van. Um, <laughs> in a parking lot. But, but this Down, seg- down this by the river. Is, <laughs> yeah, literally down by the river. Wow. Yeah. The, but this segues back to one of your questions, 
questions was working with sponsors and getting content and where you're yeah. saying, you know, Chocolove is really missing the boat on doing all this and that. And um, it's interesting when you work with a non-endemic, non-endemic meaning not like a not cycling yeah. company. Like, right. um, you know, you have Canada, like the, you, you, I've, I've put a lot of work into trying to bring non-cycling brands into cross. And it's important. What do you I think we need? Some yeah, of that. It, it works. It, it is very important for sure. Um, but they, they don't know the difference between uh, me standing on the top step of a local podium versus a C2 versus a C1. Um, so you have to create value in other ways, yeah. which is yeah, very true. Um, great photography, which is how, you know, Michael, I first got in touch with you, um, where photography is so important because without images from the weekend or an image with some uh, little caption, little um, little sound bite from the weekend, not sound bite, but you know what I mean? Like a little story. taste of, yeah, a yeah. little story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what drives interest. Um, the, some of the best things that I can do are short little videos that recap the weekend to kind of document what happened. Um, you know, we're not on TV. Social media drives basically everything yeah. these days. Um, well, and it seems that you have, I mean, you're somebody who has the skill set to be able to do that, right? To do that really well, you know. I do, and it's, but it's also tough as a trying to race well. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Is, uh, you know, this weekend I struggled with it. I was like, okay, I need to get out on the course. I'm going to throw this GoPro chest harness on. I'm going to try to get some clips of interesting parts of the course while I'm also going to try to practice sections. Um, and then I'm going to also try to um, hand out some chocolate to people. And there's a lot of there's a lot of juggling. Yeah, it well. um, it's a Carrie, hustle. Carrie Werner, honestly, is a, one of the best examples. Um, I, I haven't seen it as much this year, but... Last year, he put out a video all the time documenting what he was up to. Um, and, you know, I'm at the crossroads of, you know, my photo video work going really well. And um, it's a, uh, I, I, could, I could kind of abandon the photo video work and go all in on cyclocross and content with that and try to, but the return wouldn't be there. So instead I'm spending more time in the photo video work to offset breaking even in cyclocross, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, no. It's a, it, I was talking to Troy Wells about it today is, um, you know, he's looking at the future of his, his own racing and he's like, you know, I could, I could just work a little more and then just have do my own program. That is a much more, stripped down budget, but I could do what I want when I want. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's where I'm at. You know, I, um, my responsibilities are pretty lean between specialized and chocolate. So I can say, I'm going to skip the Iowa world cup and nobody's going to, you know, for Cannondale, that'd be unheard of. Right. Yeah. Um, but for me, I'm like, I need a break there. And, and instead I'm going to do a public gravel ride another weekend where I, you know, say, hey, I'm going to host this gravel ride. Everybody come and it's free and I'm going to take you around Boulder. It'll be great. Um, right. And that's a that's another rabbit hole to get into. But 
Um, well, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think that's sort of initially, you know, what, you know, why I wanted to talk to you is just that idea of juggling and, and, and you know, you're making good points. I mean, like it, it's, it's not easy to be a pro cyclocrosser in the States right now. Um, for, I'd say almost all of the racers, obviously there are some, probably some that are supported pretty well and can do it full time. Um, but you're like, it's, it's tough for, it's tough for everybody right now. Um, the big thing that's moving the needle for, uh, cycling brands is gravel bikes or and e-bikes mm-hmm. um, yeah e-bikes Ooh, that's and it's one. a yeah i just saw that the uci is like creating rules about e for <clears throat> e-mountain biking like e-mountain biking competitions yeah. Yeah. and i and you guys should reach out to spencer pallison with the vela news he's a good buddy of mine and he he interviewed a full-time pro e-mountain bike racer out of <laughs> europe and they have a whole they have a whole thing over there like a, a whole I, series I I don't know enough details to really I did talk not about know it, that com- that existed like in its form wow like you yeah, can be a so pro e-bike I'd be fascinated to know if they they all have this do they all race on the same bike do they have regulations on the battery size like <sighs> yeah it seems like all like I mean stuff. surely the 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 watts that the motor's putting out and all that kind of stuff it seems like a complete um said formula one yeah and well the irony is is um and i think uh townsend mentioned this earlier that one of the um world championships that you were at of course you know uh was she a junior or under 23 oh yeah you 23 yeah you know there was a bike with a motor in her pit and so there's kind of like one end of the spectrum is hey no (laughs) no motors and the other one is yeah we're gonna have these motorized uh (laughs) cycling uh right well the difference is one is we're having a motorized cycling contest and the other yes. one is we're having a pedaling contest. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a that would be worthy of a podcast in its own. Yeah. I'd say that discussion. But um, uh, I don't even remember where we were where well, we were headed with I that. actually I mean I guess we were talking sort of about the the juggle and how hard it is and oh, I guess right. I just I'm, I'm I'm curious and I'm just what, you know, what keeps you going? What is it that you love about cross that, that makes you choose to do this? I mean, like yeah. you've illustrated how much it is to work. It is. And I, I, I imagine it's fun, but I mean, for you, what is, what keeps you going? It's, it's at this, the current year, couple of years, it is not, we'll say it is not lucrative to put it yeah. kindly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I love racing and the, the vibe of the people that come out to races, um, it, you know, you can talk to a 50 year old masters racer who's, who's out there and he's like, Oh, what do you, what Townsend do you think just about pointed to himself? Yeah. Hey, I mean, I'm serious when I say it, it's like, it's great. You see somebody in there, you know, you're not, you're not competitive against each other, but you're competitive against the course all the same. Like, yeah. you know, he'll be like, Oh, how'd you, what line do you take through the sand? Like, or this and that. And, you know, you can. You can talk about it, break it down, and um, it's. I I think it is the best gateway to racing, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's family friendly. It's and that's been part of since even Meredith and I back in Nusa days is part of our pitch is that this is a family friendly event where the action all happens in one place. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that rivals it in terms of getting people into the sport is uh the high school mountain bike league 
that's going on. Yeah. Um, that's really successful. So, uh, I like going to every single race. It's like this weekend was incredible. It, every, every time is great. Um, and I'm going to keep, I'll, I'm definitely going to finish out this season, probably another season and that, and then I might scale it back a little bit, but, um, yeah, that, the, I feel like I'm still getting better. It sounds weird, but, um, I'm definitely one of the oldest guys in the pro race now. And that also sounds weird, but, <laughs> um, yeah, cause you're younger than me. So yeah, I, I mean, I think powers has a year, might have a year on me, two years. Um, but yeah, it, uh, there's always a challenge. There's always a reward. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. So, so then, so then tell us, tell us uh, what's next for you this season. Yeah. Um, Boulder, the Boulder weekend's coming up. Um, is that the U S open? Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know why they call it that. I think it's great that they got that name. Um, but, uh, there's the U.S. Open in Boulder, and then there is the in Gloucester's the same weekend. So it's another like Mississippi divide, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they're both C twos, and um, and that's I'd love to see those races not be competing, um, but that's how it is. Um, the Boulder weekend is going to be great. Uh, we will we will have a huge turnout from participants, um, and then where we might lack in spectators. It's like everybody in the town's out racing, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so they're, uh, but, they'll, but they'll be there watching the other races while they're there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, I don't know when this, is this going to air before or after? Yeah. This will come out this week, probably tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So if you're, if you're considering coming out, definitely do. I'm going to have plenty of chocolate to hand Ooh. out and that's, that's part of my thing with chocolate. I get to bring chocolate to all the races and give it out to people. It's yeah. It's, we, uh, we, ra- we race for a team that, uh, is a brewery, urban South brewery. And so we, uh, we get to bring beer to races. So that's also which, pretty cool, which is great, but also tricky. We yeah. had to look into like liquor laws in New York for Rochester when we were racing for Noosa and we had Dale's, um, Oscar blues as a partner, uh, John Meehan with jingle cross personally reached out and said, please don't bring your beer to the race. Um, (laughs) because, because as a promoter, you're trying to find ways to make partners happy. And he had an exclusive beer partner Uh, and he's like, they've reached out to me saying, you said on social media, you're bringing like three cases of beer to give away. And I thought we were the official people. So, uh, but, but everybody loves chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate hurts no one's feelings yeah because it, it's it's kind of well i guess beer is not endemic but <laughs> yeah well yeah less... beer goes in beer and cyclocross is like a no-brainer yeah uh, all right hand in hand but the but i think what i've if nothing else out of this podcast i've gotten the idea to bring my jet boil camping stove to races and put melted chocolate in it like put mm. chocolate bars and just melt it down it's that and mix it with coffee. You could do um, Alta Schieria in Utah has this mm-hmm. thing, this Italian coffee chocolate thing. It basically tastes like if you melted down a chocolate bar and threw a shot of espresso in it and drank it like a syrup, and it's incredible. That sounds awesome. Um, 
That's amazing. So I need I need to make this. So <laughs> that's that's on my to do list. Um, so that so, will be yeah. a, that will be the U.S. Open. <laughs> so Boulder this weekend, U.S. Open, uh, a weekend off at home. Actually, to give you the full spectrum, I'll be editing video most of the week and trying to fit some training in. Racing Boulder, and then Monday I fly to San Diego and I do a shoot for Canary and She Beast. I do their catalog mm-hmm. photography. Okay. Yeah. So that's all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. I fly home Wednesday night. Um, I've got another video shoot Thursday for Frank Overton. Fast Cat Coaching is his business. Yeah. Um, okay. We got a yep. half day video shoot with him. Um, some more training, and then uh, Cincinnati's the following weekend. Um, so it's kind of full. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. But uh, literally, and then November is dead for me. Um, there's a huge slew of races all the way on the East Coast, but they're just, they're expensive to get to. Um, I don't know people to stay with very easily. You know, I can, it's getting weird in my age to ask to stay at people's houses. Um, it's not <laughs> like I'm right off. Exactly. I'm, I'm 34. I've got a job that pays decently, but I'm just right. busy. Um, so for, for each weekend, like for, Sacramento was expensive. Um, even though it was close, we did, we stayed in hotels yeah. like for me out of pocket. It's probably like, it's probably like $1,500 a weekend is what I'm looking at. Okay. Um, between myself and my mechanics flight, his yeah. pay entry fees, hotel, rental car. Um, so you look at that and you're like, okay, how, what are we getting out of each weekend? So um, Alan, just a, a, a brief, I mean, I know you talked logistically about what you take when you're flying and the, the bike oh, yeah. and everything. So some tire talk here. Come on. Let's talk about tires. Baby, let's talk about FMB. Let's talk about all the good things that Gator skin. That make me. Let's talk about tires. How <laughs> yeah. many, um, how many sets of wheels did you say you take? So we will bring four at the most. Four, okay. Four, four sets. So you've got to kind of like weigh up in your head, is this going to be dry to intermediate or intermediate to muddy before you leave, right? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And Specialized has made this very easy for me because they only make two tires now. They make ah. what's basically a file tread or a very aggressive mud tread. Um, and Wow. Yeah, so you're either you're you're picking which end of the spectrum you want to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's no Griffo sort of intermediate tire in their lineup. Correct, um, but they the casing is so good on the, but well both of them, but on the file tread that we can run that in the rear a lot of the time, um, and full, excuse me, front and rear a decent amount of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's super supple and it gets a ton of grip despite the tread not being super chunky or medium chunky. Um, okay. Okay. But it's almost good. I mean, it, I'm not in the, we're not in the days of me bringing like the full sprinter van and everything. So we, this weekend we only brought three sets or three wheel sets, um, total. And because Zach was flying to Mexico with his lady. His so his girlfriend is Ruth Winder, the very successful oh, female wow. pro cyclist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's her off season, so uh, they flew straight to Mexico from Sacramento, um, and I flew home with all the stuff. So 
solo, I brought everything back and that's how light <laughs> we travel. Um, yeah. So, In, uh, yeah, we bring three, three to four wheel sets, um, a trainer, a stand. Zach has got his, uh, tool set. We bring one of those, um, cordless air fillers, you know, the mm -hmm. air tool. Um, yep. and he brings a hand gauge because those air tools don't use those for checking your tire pressure. They're super inaccurate. Okay. Um, so he'll fill up the tire with that thing and then throw the hand gauge on there and, um, check the pressure and uh that's like that's all we bring i yeah i fly with i fly with all my race stuff in a carry-on just from years of you know just in case your bikes don't make it or you know you got to be able to start no matter what and you're getting a little help from uh feedback is that true or yeah they i mean they they're local they they're down the street and they're really good people um they they do make the best stuff for travel straight mm -hmm. up that the omnium trainer that they have is you can you can put that in the overhead okay yeah yeah in a, in a flight it's crazy or wow. in my roller duffel with like the rest of my clothes it'll fit in there um well townsend and i both have their uh sprint stand and we i, I love it it's yeah. uh, it's amazing well uh will you be at nationals in louisville 100 percent we will right. okay. definitely be there and um and i'm even excited i'm already excited for nationals that are going to be up in i think it's tacoma yeah 2019 that's gonna be cool we get back to the northwest we haven't had serious racing up there in years that'll be great uh i'm from the northwest so it'll be nice for to be i'll probably go to that one and i think we're going to try to get a large contingent of, from of new orleans folks to go to louisville because it's really not that far it's i think it's 10 hour drive Nice. So I, I'm you guys bring planning. the people. I'll bring the chocolate. Yeah. And, uh, I got to make sure to schedule my flight late enough on Monday to party Sunday night. Yeah. All right. All right. This is gonna be fun. Uh, well, maybe we'll bring some Urban South beers. We'll trade for a chocolate. We'll bring a tent. There you go. We'll, we'll have a good time. There we we'll, go. we'll, we'll have an Allen Supporter Club. Yeah. Um, I got it. I'll send you guys the link to that BBC video so you know <laughs> what the cheer sounds like. All right. All right. Um, but bef so before we go, I mean, the, the ever important social media check-ins, like how can people find out, follow you uh, online? Oh, yeah. Um, I've kind of abandoned Twitter, being fully okay. honest. Um, but both Twitter and Instagram are Alan Krugoff, A-L-L-E-N-K-R-U-G-H-O-F-F. -F. Um, Instagram is where, where I live, basically. Um, and that's the best way to keep up with me. And uh, let's, we didn't get to talk about it too much, but let's uh, give a shout out to your, your business, Hardcastle. Oh yeah, Hardcastle Film and Photo. Um, Hardcastlefilmphoto.com. And uh, I've actually been a full-time full freelance commercial photographer and videographer for, it'll be my 11th year next year. Um, but where does the name Hardcastle come from? It's actually my, so my mom's maiden name and she got me into photography when I was in high school. Okay. And and the basic thinking behind that was if I said, hey, look up Alan Krugoff photography, people would be like, Google, A-L-A-N-C-R-O-O, -O, you know, Hardcastle is much easier. Yeah, um, tell me about it. My last name is a and bit then of I, a mouthful. I also have a website. It's alan.bike. And that's it. Alan.bike. And, and now just, this will force me to update it. 
So yeah, well, I just, I actually did not realize you had a website until right before the show, and I was like, oh, there's all kinds of stuff for info on there. Yeah. Oh, I should have yeah. beforehand. Um, well, thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been well, fun. Thank you. Out. Thank you. It's been, it's been a real pleasure to, uh, to talk to you and, and, uh, and hear from you. Yeah, thanks so much, Alan. Uh, a, for just being a super nice guy and, 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 you know, talking to me when I was a stranger coming up to you and chatting about oh, yeah. the World Cup. And uh, I've enjoyed. Oh, yeah. And uh, in closing, if anybody listening ever sees me out at a race, come and say hi. I'm, I will chat you up, and uh, I may be in all black, but I'm honestly one of the nicest guys you'll see at the race. Awesome. I, I can vouch for that. Um, all right, Alan. Well, thanks so much. Uh, have a good night, and we'll talk soon, and I hope your dinner is swell. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Uh, good night. Many thanks to Alan Krugoff for uh, blessing us with his time. Uh, it was a real pleasure to talk to him, and uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show again soon. But I think that's about it for tonight. Gentlemen, we'll have to do another episode next week and catch up on all this crazy bicycle racing, Pavlov Worlds, Cyclocross, Jingle Cross, a uh, whole bunch of stuff coming up soon. Um, Townsis, you want to yeah. sign us out? Yeah, I was going to say, well, until, until then, uh, this is uh, T-Bone Malone. I'm still going hard in the tape. And uh, <laughs> I'm also letting you guys know that I've found five places in the city of New Orleans to buy uh, Chocolove bars. So nice. uh, we, should, uh, we should do that. Good night. And this is Sir Cheerio saying, uh, I will go get some of that Chocolove, and I'm going to get some espresso, and I'm going to melt that stuff down and, uh, and try that out. And this is the Bodie Bodie saying, if you are a first-time listener because of Alan Krugoff, please go to our uh, Yay Ride podcast on iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. And you can always send us any questions, comments, and concerns at yayuride at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram at yayuride and also on Facebook, yayuride. And there is a website, yayuride.com. So... Check us out. Follow us. Um, until next time. Good night. Welcome to episode, wait, hang on, sorry. Before, uh, Alan, <laughs> we have nicknames on the podcast, so you should know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So This is good. Yeah, yeah. So my nickname, actually, a lot of people call me Bodie. That's sort of my, my, my nickname that has turned into a name. So on the podcast, I'm Bodie nice. Bodie. Uh, okay. Townsend is the T-Bone. <laughs> I, I, I didn't give it to myself, Alan. It was, it was given to me. It was given to him. We, we call yes. him T-Bone Malone sometimes. Now, T-Bone Malone's nice. anyone. It's nice. kind of a like shock this. jock name, really, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Shock jock's all the rage these days. And uh, 
Townsend's daughters uh, named me Sir Cheerio. So that's I where I see that logo here. Because he's British, get it? Yeah. And yeah. We, because we all say like, cheerio, cheerio all the time. Like, yeah. And I'm like and I'm knighted. I'm a knight of the realm as well. 